0: you're listening to Southside Baptist Church podcast with our pastor, Dr. Jeff Parker. For more audio content, please refer to our website at ssbaptistchurch.com. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, dear Lord, for the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, dear Lord, through the simple playing of songs and music that, dear Lord, our hearts are stirred and our lives are changed, and dear Lord, we, we catch a glimpse of Jesus. We see you. And we pray, dear Lord, no matter what problem we may face, no matter what hardship may come, no matter what difficulty, that we can trust you. And that we can sing, I am yours forever. What a great promise that is. Throughout eternity, we will always be in Christ. We will be Jesus's. So Lord, we pray that even now, dear Lord, you wrap your arms around us, that you speak to us through your word and we'll give you the glory for what you're going to do and we pray this in your name, in your son's name, Jesus. Amen. 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 And all God's people said, amen. Amen. I want you to take your Bibles and I want you to, first of all, I want you to look at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verses one and two. And this is a familiar for me, your passage to all of us. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And I want you to think about something for a minute. I want you to think about your personality. If somebody were to describe you, how would they describe you? What's your personality like? And let me ask you something else. Does God change personalities? Does He? Okay. That's right. God changes personality, So... People may say, well, he's got a split personality. Are you a split personality? Multiple personalities? You see, personality in a lot of ways is what we're going to be talking about today because as we've been looking in this series about reflecting on storms and, and understanding what a storm or a crisis or difficulty is in our life, a lot of times what happens is what we want to do when we get in the middle of a bad situation, what do we want to do? <coughs> what do we want to do? We want to get out of it. You know, I mean, we, we get, you know, things get tough, get into difficulty. Things are going wrong. First thing we want to do is, oh God, would you please just get me out of this situation? Instead of look, doing this, simply just dropping on our knees and looking up toward God and saying, well, wait a minute, God, before you get me out of this storm or this crisis, what are you trying to teach me in it? Because you see, God is doing two things in our life. When we're in a storm or we're in a crisis, God is teaching us two things. God is teaching us about himself, and God is teaching us about who else? About ourselves, right? Right? Now, so storms are a way that God changes personality. Now, in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, of course, Paul writes this letter to the church at Rome, and Paul says this, he says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. That's part of worship. Now, listen to verse 2. Do not conform any longer. Do you see it? Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to test and approve what God's will is, good and pleasing, perfect will. Now, everyone look this way. Salvation is not the end. When you and I become a Christian, when we're saved, when we are in Christ, when we become a believer, God begins a journey now of sanctification in other words, sanctification, hagiasmos in the Greek, that word hagios is that word for holy. Now what God is doing is you and I are beginning a journey by which he is, listen to this, he is conforming us into the image of who? In the image of his son. In the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So in doing that, we have to understand something that God is also changing our personalities. Now, I don't, I don't, we don't have time to look at it right now, but in Jeremiah chapter 18... In Jeremiah chapter 18, in fact, Reggie, you preached on this one time. In Jeremiah chapter 18, God tells Jeremiah, he says, Jeremiah, I want you to go down to the potter's house because I want to teach you a lesson. In fact, I tell you what, let's just turn there. Take a left and go over there. Let's just look at that real quickly. Jeremiah, back over there near Isaiah, back in the Old Testament. Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, because this is critical for you and I. In Jeremiah chapter 18, beginning at verse 1, let me just read it, maybe quicker. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the prophet. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So, verse 2, so I went down to the potter's house. I saw, I saw him working. That is, the potter, I saw him working on the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. So the potter, now watch this, formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best for him. Now, everyone look this way. Let me give you background real quickly. In the book of Jeremiah, the the nation of Israel have been ungodly. They've been immoral. They've been unethical. The whole personality of the nation of Israel is sad. It has grieved the heart of God. They have not heeded God's word. They are outside of God's will. They've turned their back on God's prophets. So God says this, God is looking at the nation of Israel, the covenant people, and God is saying, they're just not turning out the way I thought they would or the way I wanted them to be. So the Bible says that what Jeremiah is doing, he's watching the potter, and the potter crushes the clay and begins to work the clay back in his hand, making it pliable and moldable, and he fashions another vessel. Listen listen closely. That's exactly what God is doing in your life and in my life. What God is doing, he's in the process through storms, through crisis, through difficulties. He is in essence crushing us, forcing us, making us pliable because he's in the process of making us into a new vessel that looks like who? Let's say it together. Looks like Jesus. So here we have, literally we have a picture of God changing the personality of a nation. Now I believe God's getting ready. Listen. Listen. If you don't hear anything else, please hear me now. America today is arrogant. We're self-confident. We, we, we think we're the military bully on the block. We, we, we think we're something. And you see, we put, our, we, put our, we put our value, we put our worth today as a nation based on a lot of stuff materialism, military. We put, we put our value, our worth, we put our faith in those things. And I can tell you what God's getting ready to do in America. And you better get ready for it because he's beginning now. And he's been beginning for a long time. And you need to be ready. God's probably getting ready to drive America to her knees because our public school systems are a wreck. Our civil... Uh, authorities are, are overwhelmed today. Um, our nation today is in disarray. Now, it, listen, it's not, it's not the fault of Washington. It's the fault of God's people. We are not what God intended for us to be. We are marred in his hands, and God may get ready. God may be getting ready to crush an entire nation, in I hope he does. I hope he does. If he doesn't, he'll be speaking volumes but he may be getting ready to crush us in order to conform us into what he intended for us to look like. And all God's people said, amen. So, so here you have... Here you have us, and here we are today. We're talking about reflecting on on storms because what we're doing when we're in a storm, we're in in a crisis, before we say, God, get me out of this situation, the first thing that we want to say is, God, wait a minute. What are you trying to teach me right now about you and about me? I wrote down a couple of things. Number one, storms are God's process, God's tool, His school of heart. Am I a little loud here? It sounds loud to me. Is it a little too loud? It's all right? Okay, well, maybe it's just me and I'm stopped up. everything's kind of bouncing around in my head. But the storm, number one, storms are God's process or His tool or His school of hard knocks by which God is taking unChrist-like attitudes and behaviors and He's, listen, what God is doing is God is changing your personality and He's changing my personality. Number two, God uses those storms, those crises in our lives to soften us and to make us more pliable to His hand, the potter's hand, because, again, he's trying to change my personality. God wants me to change and my personality to be more like that of Christ. Does that make sense? So I'm no longer running from my storm. I'm stopping and reflecting on it, and I'm saying, God, what do you want to teach me through this? Now, real quickly, there's two points. Number one, the origin of personality. Have you ever thought about why you're the way you are? Now, if you're married, you probably thought that about the other person. I wonder why he acts like that. That's about the real silliest thing. I wonder why he does that. Or, you know, I remember when Sheila and I, when we first married, I'd, I'd look at her and I'd go, why do you do that? Yeah, and, and let me tell you this. When, you, when Husbands, when you look that way, why do you do that? You're probably going to get your teeth slapped, get your head slapped, you know. But have you ever thought about why you're the way you are? Now, there's two points here. Number one, the origin of personality. And there's two points under that. Number one, you and I are the way we are. Our behavior, our attitudes, the way we think, our personality, first of all, watch this, is patterned by parents. In fact, if you look at Moses, if you look at Moses in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses, verses 4 through 9, you know what Moses tells these Jewish people? He says, listen, You take the law and you put it in your heart and then you impress it into the lives of your children. You put a pattern. You live out a pattern of a consistent pattern of obedience. You pattern a life that you want your children to live in you. And you be very careful because children are always... Listen, they are living out the parent's behavior and the parent's attitudes. In other words, sometimes we look at each other and we think, or we, we, we hear ourselves or we see something and we say, Wow, that is just like who? That's I sound just like my mom, or I sound just like my dad, or that sounds like something my dad or my mom would have done. You see, our personality in some ways in the early formative years is being patterned by what our parents are living out in front of us. And we need to understand that. And and what Moses was saying to the people in Deuteronomy chapter 6 is what Moses was saying is, listen, be very careful the pattern that you're living out in front of your children. Let me ask you a question. Could there be things in your life right now, in your personality that right now is damaging to relationships, and more than that is damaging to your testimony and your witness to Christ or for Christ, could there be some things in your personality that you and I have excused as, look, watch this, that's just the way I am. That's the way my mom and dad were. That was the way I was, anybody want to finish that one? Raised. You see, a lot of times what happens in our life, we just simply say, listen, this is the way I am. This is my personality. In other words, what we're saying is, this was patterned by my parents. It's just my makeup. It's who I am. And God is saying, but it's marred in my hand, and I want to change it. And sometimes what God does is He takes storms, He takes crisis, because He's trying to remove some of that out of our life. He doesn't want us to say, well, that's just the way I am. It was the way I was raised, and I'm not... You know what that means? And I'm not going to change. The problem comes when there's unchristlike behavior lived out before children, and before long, it becomes so patterned and impressed into their lives, they are like wet concrete. This is the picture in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is impressing into the life of our children certain principles, behaviors, and attitudes. And before long, it becomes so impressed in their life, the good, the bad, the ugly, but it's hardened into our personalities. Sometimes we're the way we are because we've been patterned by our parents. But that doesn't excuse what God may be trying to change in your life and in my life. There's a scene in the gladiator, I don't know if you remembered, a tremendous scene where uh, the king, or, well, the son of the king, the king, the emperor of Rome looks at his son who thinks he's getting ready to be the next emperor because he knows, his dad, he knows his dad's getting ready to die. He says, the king says to his son, you will not be the emperor. You're not, you're not able to be. You can't be. Rome will return to a republic. And I'm going to tell you this much. You look at the five reasons why the Roman Empire failed, and they, they're hauntingly much like the United States. But anyway, in that scene, the emperor tells his son, he says, listen, you won't be the next emperor. The son begin, the son literally just begins to weep, and he begins to tell his father, the kind of man he is and the failures that are in his life. And, the, and, the, and then at this moment, it's so powerful, the emperor of Rome falls on his knees and he looks at his son who's weeping and he says, son, classic line, dad, listen, dad, listen, dad. If you've got a son, listen. He says to his son, he says, your failure as a son is my failure as a father. One of the greatest lines, I believe, that was ever uttered in a movie. What a classic line in a movie. Jesus called James and John sons of what? Thunder. But we forget the first two words. Sons of thunder. In other words, when you when you hear that, what that meant was they had a short fuse. They were hot tempered men. They were, you, you may say, Well, I can't believe that about John the Beloved. Well, in Luke chapter 9, verse 54, when they went to a Samaritan village, the Samaritan village would not hear Jesus. You know what John the Beloved said? He said, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven and destroy them? And Jesus turned and rebuked John, the son of thunder. You know what? Listen, they come into this Samaritan village. The Samaritan village just says, look, Jesus, you need to move on, get on out of here. John, this is John. Jesus, get back. I got this one. We're getting ready to blow this village right off the map. Jesus, Listen, Jesus turned and rebuked him. But in 1 John, and and Reggie's gone through exegeting 1 John in the original Greek, what is the theme of John, 1 John? It is love, agape love. All John talks about is love. And what happened to John, this son of thunder, this man who had a hot temper, short fuse. And see, some of us in this room, we have a hot temper, we have a short fuse, and I can tell you what we tell everybody. Well, that's just the way I am. And we say it about like that. That's the way I am. That's the way my daddy was, and that's the way my grandfather was. That's just the way I am. We're just known for a short fuse, as if we're kind of proud of it. Look at me, God. I got a short fuse. I'm quick tempered. And, and you see, God is in the process of changing those personality traits, those behaviors, those attitudes in our life. And you may say, Well, my dad was that way. My friend, your dad may have been wrong, and God's trying to change it in you before you pattern it in your son. You see, behavior patterned by parents over time gels into a personality. Let me give you an example. You get a you 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 have a you move to a home, and when you get to that home, there's a dog up under the porch. And and um, you 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 try to. You try to find out what kind of dog it is. And, and the real estate agent says, well, I don't know. It's an old country farm community, an old farmhouse. And, but I can tell you, I think the last owner, he just left the dog. But the last owner was a mean man. And I, that, the, some of the neighbors, I asked them about the dog, and, and they said, well, man, he was a mean old man. And listen, from the time he brought that dog home to his children, he was mean to his wife, mean to his kids, and he had kicked, he just kicked that dog. He just couldn't stand that dog. Said so come Well, over time, what happens? That that master had trained the personality of that dog. Either listen to cower and run up under the porch, or if you tried to get up under the, if you tried to get up and coax the dog, the dog would begin to growl. You see the, now. This is critical, because sometimes this is what happens to you and I our personalities have been patterned by those who have raised us if they have for, for instance been mean been hostile been been angry if they saw us as somebody who was a, a you know a, a liability to the family they just weren't happy that we you know whatever the reason was what happens to some of us in this room our personality is jailed because it's been patterned by parents and some of us were either we're either cowering away from relationships or we're growling at people all the time. But you come along and you're the new master. And you get out there and you've got your work cut out. And you're calling this this dog out from under the porch. You're sliding roast, leftover roast up under there. And you're watching that dog and you see that dog eventually and creep out from under there, take a quick bite and go back up push it up under a little bit farther. And you keep on. Then you start coaxing. You're down there and you're coaxing and trying to get this animal to come out. Its personality has been patterned by meanness. Uh, it's former master, and, but you're trying to change that. Why? Because you want a fellowship with this animal. And eventually there comes that day where the dog comes up and the dog eats out of your hand. Eats out of your hand. You're running in the house, like hey, honey. He finally did it. The dog ate it out of my hand. And then one day you pull up in that you pull up at that house, and out from under that porch that dog comes running, and he's just jumping. He's trying to lick you in the face. You see, his whole personality's changed. He's different. Listen, some of us literally are cowering. We're cowering under the porch of life. We're literally either cowering or we're growling at everybody, and we're pushing and forcing relationships away from us. God wants to change your personality. He wants to change my personality. He cannot unless we begin to recognize patterns in our life that may have been put there by well-meaning people that were wrong. Secondly, we're plagued by the past. You see, your personality is a summation of not only what has been patterned by your parents, but it is also how your past has affected you your personality my personality may be plagued by the past in other words if you and i have been beat up by life beat up in relationships then what happens to a lot of us is we become bitter the word bitter in luke 12 14 and 15 that word bitter is a greek word pikros and it means sticky anger And what happens, you and I, listen, we're plagued by the past. We get hurt in a previous marriage. We get hurt in a relationship. Boyfriend or girlfriend dumps us or or takes advantage of us. We lose our virginity in in a moment and all of a sudden our life is tragically going downhill. Something goes wrong in our life. People are beating up, abusing us. We work a job. They mistreat us at that job. And and if you've been raised in a home like that and, and society begins to kick you around, knock you around, before long you either cow or you're angry and sometimes we get bitter and the word bitter means sticky anger it's anger that sticks to us and we're just a simmering pot of bitterness and of anger and nobody can live with us and instead of bringing it before the Lord and saying Lord I want to change I want to be more like you we simply look toward heaven and we say that's just the way I am God deal with it And you may say, well, that's blasphemy. That's exactly right. You see, God is in the business of changing personality. Some in this room, listen closely. If you don't hear anything else, hear this. Some in this room see themselves always as a victim of circumstances, they're always a victim. They're a victim of circumstances. They're a victim of their past. They're a victim of their pain. They're a victim of their parents. Instead of living a victorious life, they're always a victim. Listen, hear me. As long as you are a victim of your past, you will never take responsibility for the un like behavior in your personality. You can tattoo that. It would be worth it in our society today. If you're going to get one, tattoo that, please. Listen again. As long as you are a victim of your past, you will never, and I will never, take responsibility for unchristlike behavior, and we will never repent because we will always be excusing the way we are. So, God can't change personality. Sanctification, hagiasmos, is short-circuited because we have a victim mentality. Now, real quickly, second point, and we'll close. Not only the origin of personality, but the overhaul of Peter. My dad and I—my uh, dad had an old 1962 Ford F100, uh, six-cylinder, shift on the on, on the on the co- on the steering column, you know. And I can remember when my dad and I overhauled that truck. And I can remember it was kind of cold and we'd be out there working. We were working up under this big sun port. So we were working up under it, overhauling that truck. And, and, and we completely repaired it, fixed it up, overhauled the motor, did some, uh, did some body work on this thing. And I mean, this truck looked good. Have you ever thought about something? Have you ever thought about God's in the process of overhauling your personality? and my personality, that he's trying to take, listen, those things that have been patterned by our parents, those things where we've been plagued by the past, he's trying to take all that bitterness, all that hurt, all that pain, and he's using that storm, those crises in our lives, because he's in the process of making us a new person. Let me give you an example. I hate to tell you this one, but it'll be worth it even if I can't get through the message. And I, I shared this years ago. My dad, one time, we were, I went my dad to Sam's, I met him, we had lunch together, and he said, hey, you want to run by Sam's? I said, yeah, well, let's go. I, I go off in Sam's, my dad's in another part, and eventually we, we, come, we come back together. My dad, my dad looks at me and said, "Do you see your old classmate from, uh, from your high school and college days? He said, you know a guy named Mike? And uh, he described, it. and I'm not going to say his whole name because of the website, but I, I, I said, uh, and immediately, you know what immediately I thought about? I thought about the man I used to be. And I thought, man, the last guy I want to see is Mike. So listen, I was dodging Mike and Sam's. I mean, you know, I'm trying to get out of Sam's because I don't want to see this guy, because he's at a time in my life that, but listen, I've repented of and left behind. So you, you want to guess it? I'm helping my dad. We're going out to the car, and I'm 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 down like I'm I'm, I'm going I'm going through the I'm going through the vehicles like this. I mean, you know. Dad's saying, son, you all right? I, you hurt your back? No, I'm, I'm, you know, so I'm all crashed in. I'm I'm loading the stuff up and about the time I kind of stand up, I hear somebody go, Jeff, Jeff Parker. And it's Mike. Jeff. And he's holding a little girl, a little, a little small, look like about a two-year-old girl. And he comes running across the parking lot. He says, man, I can't believe it. I saw your dad in Sam's. I told him to tell you that I was looking for you. Yeah, yeah, he did. He told me that. And man, I'm trying, listen, I'm trying to get away. And and Mike looked at me and he started laughing. He said, man, he said, the last time I saw you, you were drunk and you had a pool stick in your hand and you were in a pool hall in the middle of a fight and they called the cops on you. I weighed about 200 pounds then. Man, I just dropped my head. I literally felt sick. I felt sick. Mike looked at me for a moment. You know what he said? I'll never forget this. He's holding his granddaughter. He looked at me and he said, you've become a Christian, haven't you? You've become a Christian, haven't you? I said, yeah. I said, Mike, that man is dead. I'm a new man now. I'm not the same man I used to be. And all of a sudden he grinned and he said, I'm a Christian too, and I'm not the same man either. (laughs) And we laughed and hugged. You see, God's trying to change your personality. And I, and I can tell you this much, this 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 woman right here, and you've heard her testimony, this woman here at 19 years old, in, a, in her first marriage from 16 to about 19 years of age, was married to a guy dealing in hard drugs. She talks about the life they were living and how bad it was. And she talks about when he was murdered, when somebody killed him because of bad drug money. And she talks about her life and how at a college, at Holmes Junior College, some college uh, friend of hers, some young lady looked at her and said, I know Jesus. Do you want to know my Jesus? And that woman now looks back at her days and says, I don't even know that person there. You see, you see, we got an alarm going off right now. You see, God wants to change your personality. Now, if you look at Peter, when you reflect on, when you begin to look at Peter, here Jesus takes this foul mouthed fisherman. He's rough. He's brash. He's the polar opposite of Jesus. He is crude. He's loud. He's interruptive. He's insensitive. His personality, no doubt, had been patterned by his parents. It had been plagued by his past. He's grown up in a harsh, rough environment as a fisherman. He is an outdoorsman. Peter was foul-mouthed, he was rude and he was insensitive. If you look at the old lobster I don't know what them shows are up in the North Sea and North Atlantic. you ever see these guys going out fishing for lobsters? I guarantee one thing, buddy: if you went up there and hung with those folks for a while, you'd think, "My goodness, I've never heard such language. Their environment, in some ways, has made them rough and hard. That was Peter. I had a law enforcement man who became a Christian, works for JPD. He made this statement. In fact, I wrote it down. He said, Pastor, all we know is profanity, and it is the only thing that works in our environment, and I don't know that I can can change my mouth and work in this line of work. This was Peter. There was stuff in Peter that needed to be chipped away. And it is only in the storms of life that God began to do something in Peter's life. If you think about it, man, I don't, how much time do I have? You know, it's so critical here. There's two things in Peter's personality. Number one, Peter leaned on Peter. You ever meet those kind of people? You look at them and they say, well, I can tell you what, the only person I trust is who? Me. Those people's personality has been. listened, it's been patterned by parents, been plagued by the past. A lot of those people are bitter and they're angry and they're and and, and listen, they're like a dog up under a porch, growling at any hand that reaches out to them. You may say, well, what does it matter? Because if you're growling at other people's hands, you're growling at the hand of God. A personality needs to be conformed. It needs to be changed. Peter would have to be changed. He was a big man. Peter was a pick yourself up by the bootstraps. I go in my own strength. My way or the highway. You see those kind of people? In fact, in, Ma- in fact, take a right and go to Matthew 26 real quickly. We don't have service on Sunday night. That's why we go a little long here. Matthew 26, verse 31 through thirty. I want you to see this, 31 through 35, because this is critical. It said that then Jesus told them, This very night you will all fall away on account of me. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Now what Jesus says is, everybody look this way. What Jesus says is, listen, man, it's gonna, there's going to be a horrible storm tonight. Things are going to go tragically wrong. And, and, and disciples, listen to me. When the shepherd is struck, all of you are going to scatter. Now look at Peter, verse 33. Peter replied, even if all these other numbskulls, weak back, even if all these other noodle back guys, if the other eleven bomb it tonight, Jesus. You see, he's totally insensitive here. Even if all fall away on account of you, what is the next three words? I never will. Go over to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. you got to see this. Luke chapter 22, verse 31 through 33. Now watch once again. Here Jesus is. Now look at him. I love this. Luke 22, verse 31. Jesus says to Peter, now listen, anytime your parent used your full name, you knew you were in trouble. Jesus uses his old name here. Why? Because he's talking to the old man. That's why. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. Simon, that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Oh, look at old Peter. What? There ain't no way. He replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Now, hear me very closely. Buckle your pew belts. IE, as we would say in the Shona language in Zimbabwe. When you lean on you, You're unteachable. The Bible says, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. You know what that means? That means lean on Jesus. Don't lean on nothing else, not even you. You say "The the only person I can trust is me. People who make that kind of statement are bitter and angry. Listen, they've got a personality that is hostile and violent. People who make that kind of statement don't realize this. You can't even trust you. You see, Peter would need a whole makeover of his personality because there were faults in his personality and one was Peter leaned on Peter. Peter said the only one you can trust is yourself. When you lean on you, you're unteachable. Peter in that moment could not be taught. He ignored the teaching of Jesus. He ignored the warnings of Jesus and ends up, guess what he's doing? Hey, you remember this scene? Remember this scene? Here's Peter by the fireside. Jesus is on trial. This is the man that, this is the big tough man. I'm I'm my own man. Pick yourself up by the bootstraps. The only one you can trust is me. You know, Peter said, I won't let you down. All these other goons may do it, but not me. I'll be with you right up to death. Warming up by the fire. You remember Jesus is on trial? A little maiden girl, a little young teenage girl looks at him and says, aren't you, aren't you, didn't I see you at the Galilean? You didn't see me. I don't know him. I know uh, when when he fed the thousands. I remember see- I told you you didn't you didn't um, you didn't see me. I don't know him. A little while later. Now we know we saw you with this Galilean, this Nazarene. We know that I blinked he blinked didn't. I tell you he just went off in a in a in a fit of profanity and cursing and walked away and then later on he wept wept bitterly. Why? Because Peter was leaning on Peter. Number two, Peter was learning from Peter. He wasn't learning from Christ. You see, God's trying to change your personality. He's trying to change my personality. He takes us into these storms, into these crises, because he's, he's in the process. In Luke chapter 22, 31 through 33, you know what He was doing? He was telling Peter, He was trying to warn Peter. He was saying, Peter, listen. You've got to listen to me. If you don't listen to me, you, your personality will never change. And listen to this, and you won't survive. You won't survive, Peter. He did not listen to Jesus so he had to learn from life. Please stay with me here. Keep the kids quiet because this is critical. This is the most important thing you may hear in in a, in a long time. He did not listen to Jesus so Peter would learn from life. Does that sound familiar? Some of you in this room, you don't follow no advice, you don't listen to nobody. You don't read your Bible, you don't pray, you don't go to church, you don't listen to any spiritual guidance, any spiritual, uh, you don't listen to your pastor, you don't listen to anybody. You know what the writer of Hebrews 13, 17 says? He said, obey your leaders, submit to their authority. They keep watch over you as men who must give an account. Nobody in this room. Men, you'll give an account for your family, your wife and your children but I will give an account for every single member of this church and the leadership that I've tried to give. give. He says, obey them so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be no advantage to you. Peter, listen, Peter's personality needed to change, but he was leaning on Peter, mistake number one. And because he was leaning on Peter, he was learning from Peter, and ultimately because he refused to listen to Christ, he would learn from life. Some of you in this room are getting kicked up, beat up from life because you don't listen to God about nothing. You're going to make the same mistakes over and over again and you're going to excuse it by simply saying that's my personality and that's the way I am and you can accept it, Brother Jeff, and God can too. Let me look this way. God will never accept unchristlike behavior and attitudes in your life and in my life. He won't relent as the song says, until he has it all. If you're a Christian here today and you've got a quiet area of disobedience, you're over there. Listen, men, you're over there. Piddling around and, and, and playing around a little bit with pornography late at night when nobody's looking. Ladies, if you're at the office flirting around or doing whatever and you think it's just a fun little coy kind of game, there's nothing to it, or if you're over there cheating on this, cheating on that, still in this, still in that, doing that, listen, you may hide it from every single person. Nobody may know it, but God knows it. And let me tell you what God will do. He'll hone right in on that area and he'll pound and he'll pound and he'll pound and he'll pound until he breaks that clay vessel, crushes it, and begins to mold it into something that he can use. Some of you in this room, God is desperately trying to break your personality because it is so tragically flawed from what God intended. Peter was rough with people. People, Peter was rough with Jesus. In Matthew 16, Peter makes a great confession then turns right around and when Jesus begins to talk about going to the cross, Peter said, this will never be. Listen, when you and I do not learn from Jesus, we are going to make many failures in life. God, hear me, God is trying to change your personality. He's trying to change my personality. I'm going to close, but I I want you to look this way. And I want to do it by way of an illustration. Give me, give me, Russell, would you and Reggie come here for a moment? Now, this is critical. And if you're here today, this, this, this can change your life. Please, listen closely. This can change your life. Come up here, guys. And it can change your ability to counsel people who are hurting. Are you watching? Now, we're going to say this. We're going to say, Reggie, we're going to let you represent God. Okay? And Reggie, you you, you represent God. We're gonna say that Russell represents pain. In other words, this is all the heartache, all the pain, the storms, the crisis, things that have gone wrong in our life, how we were patterned by parents, how we were treated, all of the pain and hurt in a job, in a relationship, by our neighbors, by our siblings, by our parents, by grandparents, all the pain and the hurt in our life. And we're going to let Russell represent pain. And here I am. I've got all this pain, all this hurt. Now let me ask you something. What am I looking at right now? I'm looking at pain. In fact, let's say, let's say this. Let's say that he was almost transparent, but he was still there. there was, let's say there was he was almost like a, like a filthy, dirty window. Think of it this way. I'm looking through my pain to see who? God. And I can tell you this much. Are you listening? It will distort your view and your image of who? Okay, now you're watching. Everybody watching, say amen. God, come here. And I'm joking. I'm, sorry. I'm glad. Okay, boy, this is great too because you're such a big man, and I mean that as a compliment. Now, who am I looking at? I'm looking at God. Let's say that God. Let's say that God is a window. Now, I'm looking through God at what? Did you hear it? I'm looking through God at what? At my pain. Are you with me? When you and I begin to see our pain through God, it makes sense. Now God can begin to make me into the personality of Jesus Christ. You can go be seated. Thank you. You're a parent, you're struggling with a rebellious child. You can't see God because you're too busy looking at that child. But if you could ever reverse it and look at God and then see that child, and see that pain they're bringing into your life. Let me tell you this much. I went through, one of my kids, I went through a hard time, man. I was laying in my bed one night and my heart was just breaking. I was hurting so deeply. And I pictured this congregation And I began to think about all of you who have trouble parenting and having problems with your kids. And all of a sudden, you know what happened? I just went, wait a minute, that's what God's trying to do. God's trying to help me understand the pain of the congregation that I'm preaching to. And I didn't understand. Now I do. Does that make sense? Let's stand. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just come to You, Lord Jesus, and we pray, dear Lord, that right now that You wrap Your arms around us, that, dear Lord, You just begin to breathe into us the power of Your Holy Spirit, that, Lord, even in this moment, there are people in this room, men and women, young people today, maybe even boys and girls, who are not Christian. They are not a Christian. They've never given their heart. They've never given their life to You. They're desperately and hopelessly lost. They're plagued by a personality. They're plagued by behavior and attitudes. They're They're plagued by a personality that pushes everybody away. Lord, some of us need to realize that we don't need to look and blame other people. We just need to stand in front of a mirror and take a long, hard look and say, God, it's not my brother, it's not my sister. Lord, it's me that stands in the need of prayer. God, you can't change our personality. You can't change our behavior. You can't change those attitudes that are unchristlike until we get before you and get honest and say, God, there's some things in my life that I'm just not happy with. I'm not excusing them, God. I'm not a victim. I'm not just simply unrepentant excusing and saying that's the way I am or that was the way I was raised or I'm defined by my pain, defined by my hurt. Lord, that is not scriptural. Some of us need to look in the mirror and say, God, please help me. God, fix me as only You can. God, help me to see my pain through Your eyes. God, help me to see my storm through Your eyes so that I can understand that some of the pain, oh, listen, please look this way some of the pain that you go through, some of the heartache that you feel, whether it be a health problem, whether it be the loss of a child, whether it be the loss of a relationship, a husband, a wife, or the loss of a spouse, the loss of a parent, whether it be a financial problem, understand this, God is just equipping you to do better what He's called you to do, and that is to reach out to hurting people. God, listen, let me ask you this. If the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, Francis Chan asked this question, Stan. He said, if the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, when is he going to comfort us? When we are uncomfortable. If we never had no pain, if we never had no sorrow, if we never had any heartache. Listen, a little while ago, we were having our deacons meeting. James Goss came in, opened the door and said, well no, he was sitting in the deacon's meeting. Boy, this is such a beautiful picture. Sitting in the deacon's meeting, Megan's number comes up. He stands up as if somebody threw cold water on him. Middle of the deacon's meeting said, I got guys, I gotta step out. Megan's driving, the kids are on their way here. I gotta make sure they're all right. Don't you know that you have a God on a call like that? Isn't that great? That's your loving Heavenly Father. He's that quickly to respond to you and your pain and hurt. He comes back in a few minutes later, cracks the door open, and said she had a blowout, ran off into the ditch. I've got to go get her. I said, is she all right? Immediately, the men, is she all right? Anything we can do. Here's a dad running, jumping in the vehicle, going to check on his little girl. Make sure she's all right. Because no matter how old she is, doesn't matter she's in college, she's always his little girl. But I guarantee one thing. Let me tell you what James was doing on the way. He was just praying. He was probably saying, Lord, I don't know how i I got to get her in another vehicle. Lord, the vehicle's not running right. There's some things. God, would you please just help me? And you know what God's doing? God's equipping James and Stephanie Goss to better minister to some of you who are struggling and hurting, who are right now wrestling with whatever problem you have. How can we know the comforter if we never are uncomfortable? How can we help anybody in pain and sorrow and hurt if we don't have any pain, sorrow, and hurt? Let me tell you this much and then we'll finish his prayer and we'll close his service and go home and rest. Can I ask you something? How is God ever going to use you and I if we never feel none of the hurt and the pain of the world? Let me ask you this much. Do you care to hear anybody's testimony where uh, they've just had an easy life? You ever see those kind of people? They just marry and live happily ever after. And their kids are the prima donnas at the school. And they never have no problems. All the kids are A students. My kids number one at the school, bumper stickered on the back there. They're the family that's down on the beach, all of them in white shirts and blue jeans. They got their picture over the fireplace. Hey, nothing financially ever goes wrong with them. They don't never know what it is to financially be hurting or struggling. They never know what it is to have a kid and stay awake late at night and wondering whether they're alive. They never know what it is to sit there and try to figure, wrestle with your bills and figure out how you're going to pay this. If you pay this, you don't pay this. How are we going to make it? We don't want to hear from those people. I don't. If they even look like they're about to give me any comfort, shut up. I don't care nothing to hear, and I've seen your picture over the fireplace. <laughs> I want somebody that's been hurting and battling and struggling, knowing what I've gone through. Because you know what they do? They give me hope. They wrap their, most of the time, they don't say anything. They just wrap their arm around me and say, Look, I want you to know I love you. I'm praying for you. And Hey, listen to these words. I understand. Let's finish this prayer. God, would you help us take the crisis and the storms? Lord, would you take our pain that sometimes, sometimes is so overwhelming? Would you help us to see our pain through you, God? And would help us to understand that you are equipping us to minister to hurting people? And we thank you for the comforter. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.